2: Welcome to the Old Time Radio Westerns. I'm your host, Andrew Rines, and let's get into this episode. This episode is going to be Challenge of the Yukon. Originally aired in December 24th, 1953. Before I give you the title, I am joined by Vinny, Ron, and Adam, and we are doing a little Christmas special, and I want you guys to uh, hear a little bit about their shows so that way we all know what we're getting into. And uh, we're doing a little Christmas special, so go ahead and Vinny, let's have you start this off.
4: I'm Vinny, I host I Love Old Time Radio at iloveoldtimeradio.com. We do a daily podcast uh, Monday through Friday each day with a different theme, and we cover stuff like comedy, suspense, uh, uh, fun stuff, and uh, some, uh, some action adventure stuff as well.
2: Ron, go ahead and introduce yourself. I am Ron
3: Eckelbarger, and I host classic comedy of old-time radio at ClassicComedyOTR.com. And what we do is on three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we have uh, a different show on each day. On Mondays right now, we are listening to The Aldrich Family. Of course, with the the uh, title of our show, you probably caught that it's all comedies Wednesday. We're doing uh, the Bob Hope show and Fridays we are doing The Life of Riley, but we're nearing the end of those. So we're going to be starting some some new series coming up soon. But what we do is comedy three days a week.
2: And finally, Adam, go ahead and introduce yourself.
3: And uh, this is Adam Graham. I'm host of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, where each day, Monday through Saturday, we have a different detective program, uh, including uh, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, The Falcon, and uh, of course, Mr. Chameleon and Dangerous Assignment, and Dragnet.
2: Can't forget Dragnet. Perfect, guys. And... We'll have some more information at the end, so definitely stay tuned to the end to hear our thoughts and feedback on it. Again, this episode came from December 24th, 1953, and the title is The Spirit of Christmas. Let's get into it, and I hope you enjoy.
5: Now, as gunshots echo across the windswept snow-covered reaches of the wild northwest, Quaker Pop wheat and Quaker Pop rice, a breakfast cereal shot from guns. Presents Sergeant Preston of the Yukon. It's Yukon King, swiftest and strongest lead dog of the Northwest, breaking the trail for Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers. Gold, gold discovered in the Yukon, a stampede to the Klondike in the wild race for riches back to the days of the gold rush, with Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice, bringing you the adventures of Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog, Yukon King, as they meet the challenge of the Yukon.
6: there's no one that can make a better cereal than Quaker Puff Wheat. It's neat.
5: And when you hear the shooting, you're darn tooting that Quaker makes the ones shot from guns. Not only that, Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice are the ones that give you added food values of restored natural grain amounts of vitamin B1, niacin, and iron. And delicious. Just taste them. They're full of bang up nut like flavor. For a nutritious treat that can't be beat, eat Quaker Puff Rice and Quaker Puff Wheat. It was an hour before midnight on Christmas Eve large drifting flakes of snow fell softly and lay in shimmering whiteness on the trail as Sergeant Preston and a young Mountie recruit drove along the main road from Dawson toward Silverton, ten miles south. Instead of the usual dog team and sled, the two Mounties drove a horse-drawn sleigh known as a cutter. The great dog king seemed to enjoy the unusual experience as he lay on the edge of the fur lap robe at their feet. The young Mountie was saying...
7: I appreciate your invitation to go to Silverton with you tonight, Sergeant. I don't know what it's all about, but I don't think it'll change my opinion that once
6: someone passes the Santa Claus stage, Christmas has little meaning. Tom, I invited you to come with me tonight because you expressed that opinion when I asked if you were going to the barracks Christmas party tomorrow. I think Santa Claus is a symbol of the spirit of Christmas represents kindness, generosity, and good fellowship. I'm hoping, Tom, you'll find out tonight the real spirit and meaning of Christmas. Why are we going to Silverton, Sergeant? What's this all about? I think I have just time enough to tell you a story, Tom, if you care to hear it. Of course. You've heard of Mr. Sawyer, who came to Silverton about eight months ago and bought the mining company there, haven't you? Yes. Yes, Sergeant, I I was in the general store there last summer when his boy... uh, a young upstart, about 10 or 12, boasting about his father's wealth. That boy, Jerry Sawyer, is part of my story. About three weeks ago, Bill Hawkins, manager at the mine, went to Mr. Sawyer's office in Silverton to get the payroll and take it back to the mine headquarters.
1: Very good morning, Bill.
8: Good morning, Mr. Sawyer. Is the payroll money ready?
1: It came from the bank a short time ago. I'll count it and lock it in the bag for you to take out to the cashier at the mine. By the way, how's old Marlowe getting along? As
8: a matter of fact, sir, Marlowe resigned. He took a job at the bank in Dawson. Well, huh? I took on a new man last week. A nice young chap who was recommended by Marlowe. Huh? I understand he was a bank teller in Selkirk. Came there about six months ago. Why did he leave the bank? Cashier's job at the mine pays more. And he needs money badly. Uh He has an invalid wife and an eight-year-old girl. Oh, that's too bad. What happened to the wife to cause her condition? Thrown from a horse a few months ago. Hasn't been able to walk since. Bentley hopes to earn enough money someday to pay a good surgeon to examine her. Bentley? Is that the new man's name? That's right. David Bentley. He and his family live in that rather dilapidated little cottage at the east end of town. Mm, David Bentley...
1: You say a ride didn't Kirk about six months ago? That's right, sir.
8: Came here from Seattle. He handles the cashier's job at the mine very well. Good, good. Well, I'll get the money from the shave. I hope
1: that new fellow is trustworthy, considering the fact he's so badly in need of cash.
8: Oh, I'm sure he is, Mr. Sawyer. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the cash.
8: Put the bag on my desk
1: and open it. All right, sir. Here's. The cash, as usual, is in bundles of $500 each. Here are 11 bundles to make the necessary 5500 for the payroll. Huh? I'll put them into the bag. Here's one bundle. Two, three, four. And I say, by the way, Bill, make sure I lock to safe, will you? Yes, sir. Sheeps. It's locked, Mr. Sawyer. Good. And this is ready for you. Better get started back to the mine now. All right. The uh, new cashier out there will need time to make out the envelopes. Have they uh, locked the bag? I'll start
8: back right away. Bentley will be able to have the envelopes filled and ready by noon.
6: Later, Bill Hawkins arrived at the mine headquarters and turned the locked bag over to the cashier, David Bentley, then went out, leaving Bentley alone in the office to make up the envelopes. Short time later, Hawkins returned to the headquarters office.
8: Mr. Hawkins,
7: I was just coming to find you.
6: The payroll is short.
7: What's that? Look here. Only ten bundles when there should be eleven. It's five hundred dollars short.
8: Mr. Sawyer must have made a mistake. Oh, no. I saw him put eleven bundles of cash in that bag. He locked it at the town office, and you're the only other person who has a key to unlock it. When I unlocked the bag, there were only ten bundles in it. Listen, David. One of the men rode back from town with me, and that bag was locked. Only you and the boss have keys to it, and I know for certain he put in 11 bundles of cash. There are only 10 now. I'll give you a chance to put it back, David. Put it back?
7: What do you mean? You think I took it? But I didn't. It wasn't in the bag. The cash is $500 short, and I don't know anything about it. Sorry,
8: David. Better get your parker and come with me to town. No, I I didn't take it.
7: You can't blame me for the shortage. I'm leaving here right now. Wait. Wait or Get I'll... out of my way. Oh. Come back here. I won't go to prison for something I
5: didn't do. And you won't find me.
6: So David Bentley ran from the office and headed into the foothills with his dog sled and team. A heavy storm covered Bentley's tracks. Gospel constable had to give up the search. For two weeks, nothing was heard of David Bentley. What about his invalid wife? A little girl. Bentley's wife and his little girl, Gloria, were left destitute in their cottage at Silverton. A widow, Mrs. Malcolm, who had little herself, did what she could for Gloria and her mother. Mrs. Malcolm told me about a visit she made a week ago when she took some soup to Bentley's cottage.
9: morning, Gloria. I brought a bit of soup for you and your mother.
10: Oh, golly, Mrs. Malcolm. Mama will be so glad to get it.
9: I'll come in a minute. All right. The soup is warm and ready to sip, so I'll take it right into the other room and give it to her. Come along, Gloria.
0: Who is it, Gloria? Oh, Mrs. Malcolm, it's kind of you to come over. Here's a bit of soup. I'll... It'll warm you up, dear. If you don't mind, I'd rather you give it to Gloria. Uh, Fetch another bowl like a good girl, Gloria.
10: Golly, yes, (laughs) ma'am.
0: Bless her little heart. Mrs. Malcolm, I just can't go on like this. If if I could only
9: walk. Oh, hush now. Don't let the little one see you feeling sad. She tries so hard to help and to be cheerful.
10: Here's the bowl. It's cracked, but it'll hold the soup all right.
9: Oh, that'll do fine, Gloria. There. Now, that's yours. Thank you. Uh, I'll give the rest to your mother. Here, Mrs. Bentley. Thank you, Mrs.
0: Malcolm.
10: Mmm, golly, this is so good. Do you think we'll have a snowstorm at Christmas? I like to see the snow falling then. Don't you?
0: Hush, dear, and finish your soup.
10: Yes, Mama. Mrs. Malcolm, I...
0: Yes, dear, what is it? Well, uh, as a favor to me, would you take Gloria to the general store just just to look around? If she could see the Christmas trimmings, I, I'm sure they'll have tinsel and other decorations. Would you mind? Oh,
9: I'd love to go. Oh, of course I'll take her, Mrs. Bentley. We'll go right now while you finish your soup. Now bundle up as warm as you can, Gloria, and we'll start for the store.
6: So Mrs. Malcolm took Gloria to the store to see the few trimmings Mike had put up for the holidays. The poor little youngster must have enjoyed it. Yes. Like any child of eight, she forgot her troubles and enjoyed the holiday atmosphere. That is, until she met Jerry Sawyer. You mean that snob of a boy I mentioned a while ago? Mr. Sawyer's boy? Yes. Jerry entered the store alone and went over to speak to Gloria. that Bentley
10: kid, aren't you? Uh Uh-huh. I guess you won't
0: have a Christmas tree. My father's getting a big one, and we'll have lots of fancy trimmings on it.
10: Maybe we'll have one, too.
0: (laughs) You think Santa Claus will bring you one, is
10: that it? Mama says the real Santa Claus is the spirit of the Christ child, who makes people want to give gifts, because Christmas is his birthday. And Mama says if we do right and wish hard enough, our wishes might come true at Christmas. (laughs) Do you know what I think? Jerry Soria, you've said enough. Gloria Lassie, there's a small
9: pine tree in my yard, and we'll cut that down for your Christmas tree. But you won't have nice trimmings like we will. Oh, hush, lad, hush. You go about your business. Come along, Gloria. Time for us to go.
6: Gosh, I feel mighty sorry for that little girl, Sergeant. So do I, Tom. I heard about the incident when I arrived from Selkirk. Then a few days ago, Constable Dickens and I were returning to Dawson from north of Silverton. We noticed a thin column of smoke rising from a hollow back from the trail. We rode over there and found an old prospector's shack. When we investigated, we saw a man asleep on a cot inside. Sergeant, in spite of that scrubby beard, I know
7: that's Bentley, the missing mining company cashier. Huh?
6: I've seen him in town. Have your gun ready. I'll wake him. Bentley.
7: All right. Bentley, wake up. All right. Why, what? what are you. Mountie's. I...
5: You're covered, Bentley. We'll continue our adventure in just a moment. Boy, oh, boy, tomorrow is Christmas. I wonder who that is. Why, it's our friend, the postman. How are you?
7: Fine, young fella.
5: I bet you've been mighty busy delivering Christmas packages these days. Sure have. Have you got anything for me?
7: Well, well, now not exactly. Just
5: this year... Why, of all things, it's a package of Quaker puffed wheat and a package of Quaker puffed rice. That's right. Well, what gives? I'll tell you. I used to eat a big bowl full of Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice every morning. Uh-huh. Yep, and I used to pour on the old milk and... Top it off with fruit. Yes. Man, it tastes well too. But look, a moment ago you said you used to eat either Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice every morning.
3: Well, sir, now I got a better idea. Oh? I I take a big bowl,
7: pour some Quaker puffed rice into it until it's half full. Then fill it up the rest of the
5: way with Quaker puffed wheat. I get it. Sort of half and half, huh? (laughs) Sure. That's the way I enjoy both kinds. Together, right at the same time, every morning. Well, that's a fine idea. Fellas and girls, just try it tomorrow morning. And don't forget Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice are shot from guns to make them crisp and tender. Yes, these king size premium grains are actually exploded up to eight times normal size to make them bigger and better tasting. Ask Mom right now for delicious Quaker-popped wheat and Quaker-popped rice. Look for the picture of the big gun on the front of the package.
3: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
7: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
4: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
5: Now to continue. After surprising David Bentley in the cabin and waking him, Sergeant Preston and the constable stood over him with drawn guns. David sat up and then
7: spoke. I... I don't have a gun, Sergeant.
8: We've been hunting you for that mine office, robbery.
7: I didn't steal that money. Look, would I be here now like this if I had the cash? What do you mean? I... I haven't eaten for days. My dog team is gone... The dog's left because of hunger. If I had cash, I could have gone to some trading post for supplies. All right, Sergeant. Take me back. I I can't stand it any longer. I'm worried sick about my wife and little girl. I
6: I can't stand it any longer. I can't. Sit down, Bentley. Take it easy,
7: fella. That, That missing cash of... If I could only find out where it went. but Only Mr. Sawyer and I had keys to the bag. If, if he didn't make a mistake, then he must have taken out a bundle of cash deliberately. But, but why?
6: Why? He'd have no reason to take it. I know.
7: Of course, he knows I'd get the blame if anything were missing. But Does still... Mr.
6: Sawyer know you, Bentley? No, oh, we never met.
7: Bill Hawkins hired me. The only Sawyer I knew was a wealthy surgeon back in Seattle. He had reason to hate me, but... He left Seattle, and I haven't heard of him since. Maybe he's. No. No, this couldn't be the same man. Anyway, Mr. Sawyer didn't even know I was working for the company.
6: Tell me, did that doctor have reason to leave Seattle? Yes, he left to avoid arrest. Did he have a family? A wife and young son. What did the surgeon do to break the law, and why did he have reason to hate you? Well, my uncle used to be sheriff of Seattle. He's dead now.
7: He appointed me a deputy, but I worked part-time in a bank, too. Go on. Eight months ago, the bank was held up and the crooks got away. We got a good look at them and knew one of them was wounded by the bank guard. What then? Oh, well, my uncle was sick, so I led a posse and caught the two crooks in the hideout. We saw right away that the wounded man's shoulder had been treated by an expert. They both swore that the well-known surgeon, Dr. Sawyer, had treated the wound, but that he demanded $1,000 of the stolen money for doing it. Did
6: you question the doctor?
7: No, not right away. I, I wanted my uncle's advice first, but he was too ill to talk at that time, so I waited. Meantime, the newspaper demanded the doctor's arrest. When I finally went to his house, he would left with his boy. Well, I'd say that proved the doctor was guilty. No. When the crooks went on trial, they tried to implicate the doctor. But when they were cross-examined by the prosecutor, the fact was brought out that the doctor didn't know they were crooks and hadn't demanded or received any of the stolen cash.
6: Well, if this man is Dr. Sawyer, he might do what he could to stop you from disclosing his identity by discrediting your name in this territory. You really think Mr. Sawyer in Silverton is
7: Dr. Sawyer from Seattle?
6: Perhaps. I intend to make sure... Why, are you... Uh, are you going to take me back to jail? Not to jail, David. If you'll give me your word of honor to be available and to keep undercover until I send for you, I'll leave you with a friend of yours in Silverton. Why, I promise, Sergeant.
7: But my wife and Gloria will... They're all
6: right. I hope you'll be with them for Christmas. Now we'll start back to town, David. How did things turn out, Sergeant? I'm coming to that town. We left David with Mrs. Malcolm. That was the night before last. Then I went to have a talk with Sawyer at his home.
1: Sergeant Preston,
6: come in. Thank you, Mr. Sawyer.
1: Did you bring news of the missing cashier? Yes, Dr. Sawyer. Uh, Dr. Sawyer, how did you find it?
6: Me and you made a mistake. The slip you just made proves I'm right. I've talked to David Bentley, doctor. I know all about the Seattle affair. I came here to get you to admit you framed Bentley. Uh, Who launched Sergeant? You should know how it feels to be wrongly accused, doctor. Wrongly accused?
1: Does that mean you believe the accusations against me were
6: false? Yes, so does David. Your name was cleared back in Seattle. What? He tried to find you to let you know. Thank heaven. Now you must clear Bentley, doctor.
1: Yes. That's the first thing I want to do. I admit there were only ten bundles of cash in the bag. I took one out without Hawkins'
6: knowledge just before
1: I locked the bag.
6: I suggest you make a public statement that the missing bundle has been found and that you apologize to Bentley. Yes, yes, I'll do that,
1: Sergeant. And I'll compensate him for what he's gone through.
6: day after tomorrow is Christmas Eve. Make your public statement, Doctor, and I'll talk to you again before you see David. I'll do anything you say, Sergeant. Anything. Gosh, Sergeant, what happened then? This morning, the Silverton paper carried the doctor's statement clearing David Bentley. We're entering Silverton now. I've sent word for David and Mrs. Malcolm to meet us outside the Bentley's cabin. We'll stop at the Sawyer's and have him and his boy go out there with us in the doctor's sleigh. You'll be a witness, Tom, to the climax of my story. Got there, come on! Up.
5: Later, followed by Dr. Sawyer and his son, Jerry, in another sleigh, Sergeant Preston and Tom stopped a short distance from the Bentley cottage. Oh,
8: boys.
6: Come on, King. Let's go, Tom. All right, Sergeant.
1: Why are we stopping so far from the cottage, Sergeant?
6: Well, I thought it would be a good idea to surprise Mrs. Bentley and the little girl. Let's go. When they reached the cottage,
5: Mrs. Malcolm and David were waiting outside.
7: Sergeant... You're right on time. You remember Dr. Sawyer? Yes, I. David, Graham. I'm deeply sorry. Oh, it's all right now, Doctor.
9: Shall we go in now?
7: Yes, we'll go in quietly.
5: Sergeant Preston quietly opened the door, and as the group tiptoed in, they saw Gloria's scraggly little pine tree near the window. Bows made of bits of ribbon and little balls of cotton were its only trimming. They stopped when they saw a small figure kneeling near the tree. Gloria, intent upon her bedtime prayers, didn't see them in the darkened
6: room. They listened.
10: Thank you, dear God, for my beautiful little Christmas tree. And please, for my Christmas wish, make Mama well again and bring Daddy back to us. Please. Let the spirit of the Christ child hear my wish and make it come true. Thank you, God. Amen.
6: As the
5: small child finished her short, pathetic prayer, a moonbeam broke through the clouds and shone through the window like a silvery spotlight from the heavens, touching the little tree and sparkling in the ribbon bows. Then
7: David spoke softly, brokenly. Gloria. Honey, I've come home.
10: Daddy! Oh, Daddy, I knew you'd come. I knew my wish would come true. Bless her trusting little heart.
7: That
1: that little tree, it, it seemed to be touched with the whole spirit of Christmas.
9: A little touch of faith and hope went into every little bow on its branches, sir. Each one made by Gloria's own hands.
10: These people with you, Daddy?
7: All good friends, honey.
0: Gloria?
10: Who's out there?
0: Gloria? I'm coming,
7: Mama. We'll all go in.
0: Turn up the lamp, dear, so I can see who's with
7: you. I'll turn it up, Anne.
0: David. Oh, David, you've come
7: back to oh, us. yes, yes, dear. I've come home to stay. Everything's all right now. I've been cleared. Oh,
0: thank heaven. But, but who are all Sergeant
7: this? Preston, Constable Lewis, Mrs. Malcolm, and... Doctor and Jerry Sawyer. is Mrs. 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 Bentley. Mrs.
0: Munt, you, you're Dr. Sawyer, the famous surgeon from Seattle?
1: Yes, Mrs. Bentley. And perhaps the spirit of the Christ child Gloria has so much faith in will grant her wish and give me the power as a surgeon to make you walk again. I feel sure it will happen if you will permit an operation.
10: Oh, golly, Mama. Then I'll get both my wishes. Jerry, now you see that what Mama told me about the spirit of Christmas is right.
1: Gosh, I, I guess it is. Dad never told me anything like that. <laughs>
6: well, I've, uh, I've just learned
1: about it myself, son.
6: I'm glad we found out together. Doctor, it's time to bring the sleighs to the cottage. Come on. Yes, yes, yes sir. A short time later, Sergeant Preston and the doctor
5: drove the two sleighs to the front door. <gasps>
10: Look out the window Quick They're carrying in Lots of packages I helped wrap some of them Oh Even King is excited
6: There you are Gifts for everybody Get heaps of them.
10: Oh look Mama A big doll A
0: beautiful doll
1: For you Gloria From Jerry
8: Look
0: The snow is falling Against the window again And it's just midnight Oh We'll have a Merry Christmas After all David.
1: Now, everyone, before we open the gifts, let's stand around Gloria's beautiful little tree and sing a Christmas carol. That's a wonderful idea. Gosh, Gloria, now I believe what you said at the store. I'll always believe it. All right, folks. We'll sing, Come All Ye Faithful. Ready?
0: Oh, come
8: all ye faithful.
6: From the real spirit of Christmas. I'm glad, Tom. I think Gloria has the right idea that the spirit of the Christ child is the spirit of Christmas. These people are founded among the surroundings here, just as the shepherds and the wise men found it. In a little stable in Bethlehem.
5: Turn in just a moment with a word about our next exciting adventure. Well, sir, fellas and girls, tomorrow is the day you look forward to for so long. Yes, and right here is someone who wants to say something to each and every one of you. Here is Sergeant Preston himself. And naturally, I don't have to tell you that King is here too, right beside him.
8: <laughs>
6: fellows and girls, King and I just want to say this. We hope that you and all your family and friends have the most wonderful Christmas ever. How about it, King? <laughs> That's King's way of saying for the both of us, Merry Christmas.
5: And Sergeant Preston, that goes for me and for all of us here. And for the Quaker Oats Company, makers of Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. Yes, from all of us, a Merry Christmas to one and all. a killer named Ham Minden hurried to the sawdust cafe in the town of Prince Albert to meet his partner,
7: Lima. Lima! I just found out Bill Dismal struck it
8: rich. Uh, what's that to us? I have a foolproof plan to steal his gold. Forget it, Ham. With Preston in town, we'll have to toe the line of the law. No red coat's gonna keep me from that gold. I'll kill Preston if I have to to get it.
5: Making his regular patrol of town, Sergeant Preston didn't suspect that two greedy killers were calmly and meticulously plotting his death. Be sure to hear this next exciting adventure. These radio dramas, a feature of Sergeant Preston of the Yukon Incorporated, are created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated, directed by Fred Flowerday, and supervised by Charles D. Livingston. The part of Sergeant Preston is played by Paul Sutton. Sergeant Preston of the Yukon is brought to you every Tuesday and Thursday, at this same time, by Quaker Puff Week. And Quaker Pop Rice, the breakfast cereal shot from gun. Hurry, hurry, step right this way. Get your thrilling, exciting circus pictures in amazing, sensational third dimension. Famous circus stars, ferocious wild animals, and genuine 3D glasses. Listen, boys and girls. You know Muffets, the tasty energy-packed round shredded wheat. Well, sir, every Muffets package contains a pair of genuine 3D glasses plus four thrilling, colorful picture cards of real circus stars and wild animals, all in third dimension, free of extra cost with Muffets, the round shredded wheat. This is J. Michael wishing you goodbye, good luck, and good hell from Quaker Pop Wheat and Quaker Pop Rice. So long.
2: welcome back so guys what did you guys think about the episode i don't know if you've listened to challenge the Yukon before or heard it and just wondering what you guys think
4: well I, I will say i have never been a big western fan however that being said i actually really enjoyed this episode i've never heard of this uh this series but i enjoyed uh some of the characters and um already kind of got my, my toes wet in, uh, Texas Rangers. So it's been kind of like, uh, the, the whole westerns has been kind of growing on me and I, uh, I, I thank you for bringing it to my attention.
2: Yeah, no problem. It's you know funny with the challenge of the Yukon is cause it's Western esque cause it takes place up in the Canadian Rockies and it's not exactly, you know Western as most people think, because it's you know snow all the time, not so much dust and dirt.
4: Yeah, well, you know they they say deserts, uh, even even the Antarctic is a desert by all definitions. So, doesn't just mean snow as a desert,
2: right? I mean cactuses uh, sand. and yeah, yeah, tumbleweed. <laughs>
3: I enjoyed it. I've i never heard I'd never heard it before. Um I did like the I, I did like the fact that they emphasized the cereal was shot from cannons. I, I think that I would if if they still shot cereal from cannons, I would have to eat whatever brand did that. Uh,
4: Adam, I think in this episode they actually said guns. Oh god. It oh, yeah, it's canons. definitely
2: shot shot from guns.
4: Guns. Because I, I remember this same commercial airing on one of your episodes that did say cannons, but this said guns. I even wrote that down.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's very specific <laughs> to the, the Westerns. Whenever they they done it, it was always uh shot from guns.
4: But but why? Why would I want to eat cereal shot from guns?
3: Well, th- because this they is... shot it from guns oh. for you to enjoy it. <laughs> well, the, I, I, I looked this up. This is Ron. Um, and the Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice, it uh, actually was made with some kind of a process that was, it resembled shooting rice and wheat from a cannon. Uh, the guy who invented this, he showed it off at the 1904 World's Fair. His name was Professor Alexander Anderson. Cause I, I had to look it up when, when he, when, when I heard that, cause yeah, I was blown away by that too. Cause it, uh, it's no fascinating. I love old time commercials. I just love almost more than the episodes. I, I love the commercials. Um, like oh, yeah, I can't get, get over, outrageous. you know, more camel, more Dr. smoke camels than ever before. In, on all but, but about the, about the Quaker puffed wheat and, puffed rice yeah evidently that's how they made it something like that
2: yeah something Uh, with the rapid expansion of it when it when they shot it out it puffed up yeah
4: and it's bland as heck i i I never liked it my mom used to mix it with honey smacks
2: yeah as i say you'd have to put a (laughs) lot of other sugar stuff in it to, to make it palatable
4: the the one thing I, I really enjoyed is that the announcer, J. Michael, that very, like, episodic, you know, tune in next time for the next adventure, you know, that big, big announcing voice that you just don't hear a lot.
2: Yeah, very, very true. And one of the things that, you know, one of my gripes that I have with a lot of the radios that shows that came out of Chicago was their belief that they didn't want anybody to know who the actual actors were. So the most episodes of all the other old-time radio would list who was in it, who your your supporting cast was. And Chicago had this whole belief that you just didn't want to take that out. I mean, Lone Ranger wasn't allowed to know who he was. So for many years, people didn't even know who the actor was because it was a Lone Ranger. It wasn't an actor. I don't know what you're talking about.
4: Those kids right.
3: don't need to know that well, Santa's I, not just, real. <laughs> uh, but to to comment about the show, though, and not just about the advertisements, uh, I, I have to say uh, that I love the fact that they brought the whole story around, you know, the spirit of Christmas to be the spirit of the Christ child, and that in the end, it wasn't all about getting, which... Christmas seems to have deteriorated into that, but it was about giving and especially giving forgiveness. You know, these guys, these guys had kind of been wronged by each other and, and yet they forgave each other and, and really got into the spirit of Christmas, which I think is a, is a great message. Is it just me or is it every time there's a a, a little kid
4: actor, they just always sound so wholesome? <laughs>
2: yeah I, th- I think they do that on purpose i can tell you when i've done research on some of these children and actors some uh, i have found are still alive uh because they were like six years old when these came out and what i found funny was that you know sometimes the little girl was actually played by a boy and that's just uh funny how they did that because back then on the radio you don't know boy or girl you said it's a girl it sounds like a girl okay it's a girl
4: well, sometimes adults, like females, would play, and they do that still today with voice acting. Is is females will play little kids?
2: Yeah, very, very true. Well, anything else before I uh, close this out? Perfect. If you guys uh, want to check them out, I'm gonna have links in their sh- uh, to their shows in the show notes, so you guys will be able to find it out and look forward to hearing uh, the rest of these Christmas episodes again there's uh, one coming out every single day so check back and listen to them you're going to have different shows like Armis Brooks you've got the Challenge of the Yukon you've got an episode of Suspense and Mr. Chameleon so definitely want you guys to check those out if you haven't heard their shows give them a listen and you guys will enjoy have a good Christmas and again thank you guys for doing this we do appreciate it on this side thank you for having us Thank you, Drew. This has been a presentation of OTRWesterns.com, and we hope you enjoyed. Please take some time to like and rate our shows in your favorite podcast application. Follow us on Facebook by going to OTRWesterns.com/slash Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel by going to OTRWesterns.com slash YouTube and send us an email, podcast at otrwesterns.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail, 707-986-8739. This episode is copyright under the attribution, non-commercial, share like copyright. For more information, go to otrwesterns.com slash copyright. Have a great day, and thanks for listening.